I've always said in, in climate tech that the most interesting ones and the ones with the biggest scalable potential are the ones that can demonstrate both the kind of climate impact and environmental improvements, but also the commercial impact for the people that they're trying to sell to. Yeah. It's kind of this concept that you don't just sell to the chief sustainability officer, you sell to the CFO as well. Hi everybody and welcome to Funding a Better Future. This is a series of bite-sized episodes which feature the expert insights of climate tech investors. My name's Cherry and I am the founder of Above and Beyond Recruitment. Our business partners with climate tech startups and we help them to scale and grow their businesses, either by recruiting for them and helping them grow teams or by offering talent advisory and consulting services. This series is aimed at founders and leaders of climate tech businesses, and particularly to anybody that's looking to raise investment this year. Throughout the course of this series, we hope to give you a realistic picture of what the investment market looks like today, as well as some great tips to help give you the best chances of success in your next raise, and hopefully a network of individuals that you can make an approach to when the time is right for you. Today, I'm joined by Adam Tchaikovsky from Albion VC. Albion VC have been providing investment and strategic support to founders since 1996. And despite not being a pure play climate investor, they have a long history of supporting visionary founders through their growth journey. Adam is their investment director with a particular focus on climate tech. So Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. And are you happy, Adam, to kick off by, I mean, I gave a bit of an intro there to Albion, but I'm sure did not do justice to, you know, what, what you offer and, and what you guys do. Are you happy to give a bit more kind of context around around Albion and around your role? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, as you say, Albion's been going um, since 1996, so over 25 years now. Um, and what we've kind of evolved into over those years is really a focus on B2B um, SaaS tech investing, um, right. sector agnostic, so not focused down on, an, on anything in particular, but have built up expertise in various areas, things like um, fintech and digital health and big data and cybersecurity. Um, my role within Albion now is in looking to grow a new cluster and focused on that B2B SaaS space and focus on climate tech. Um, we're UK focused, our funds, uh, the majority of our funds are VCT. So we focus on UK opportunities. Um, I actually joined Albion almost 10 years ago now. Um, and one of, uh, one of the parts of Albion back then was um, a renewable energy focus um, right. on the infrastructure side. So I, I actually did a lot of work with um, building small-scale UK renewable energy generating assets across the UK, um, solar, wind, hydro, bit of anaerobic digestion. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually, um, we deployed about 150, 160 million into the renewable energy generation space. Um, so what my role is at the moment is really looking to take that kind of renewable energy generation background um, combined with the, the tech expertise that we've that we've built up and focused on um, kind of combining those together um, with a look at the the b2b SaaS space within climate tech so 
really um, SaaS as a great potential enabler and accelerator for climate tech. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, that sounds like the blending of those different kind of areas and of expertise is is, is kind of perfect for this space and where it is today, right? Um, and, and in your opinion, I mean, you, you kind of have a unique position then in that you, being sector agnostic, you see the trends that are happening within tech investing across all of those sectors, but then with that particular focus on climate tech as well, what, what in your opinion does the funding landscape look like then this year, both sort of broadly and then how kind of climate specifically sits within that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a fascinating couple of years, both from the broader um, tech environment and for climate tech, yeah. um, you know, through last year and the wider technology sector has obviously had quite a tough time um but actually throughout 2022 when the rest of the environment the rest of the sector was uh was taking quite a hit climate tech was almost slightly insulated from that it didn't it didn't get the the same kind of hit um and that might be for a variety of reasons i mean if we look big picture and the the journey to net zero um you know we don't have all that much that much time and it is an urgent situation um but coupled with that i think you had through 2020 2021 and still through 2022 you had quite a lot of climate specific um funding that got raised um mm. so the capital availability with a specific focus on climate um was has been there throughout 2022 and is still there in 2023 mm. so it's it's going to be a fascinating year in 2023 um just to see how that how that dynamic plays out um i think you, you're starting to see a slowdown um right. and some of the trends from the from the wider tech space coming into the climate tech space um and that might may, may be that you know uh, funds are uh, having to reserve money for investments that they've already made for, with the potential to um, extend runway. Um, it's also a, a kind of a bigger picture question in terms of that focus of on sustainability down to the kind of person on the street, right? Um, whether whether that kind of demand for sustainability holds up in a cost of living crisis, and that's and that's to the person on the street and it's to corporations as well you know we yeah. as you say we we focus on b2b saas where the customer is is kind of corporations and enterprises now all companies have got a, a, a spotlight on budgets at the moment and that includes sustainability so i think you're starting to see um a real focus on any every pound that's being spent um, yeah. and therefore every pound that's being spent needs to be justified in this, in this environment. So like I say, it's a very interesting time to see how that funding environment, um, plays out through 2023. Yeah, absolutely. So, so general picture then is that climate tech's a bit of a pocket of buoyancy amidst a slightly rockier, wider economy, but it'll be interesting to see whether that, whether it retains that buoyancy over the course of the yeah, year. Yeah, I think, I think it has been, I think it has been historically, um mm. i think the question around how much that can be maintained through this year through mm. this year and beyond is is a kind of remain to be seen 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah fascinating times. About that kind of that balance between the cost of living crisis and, you know, will the demand from individuals for sustainable focused services, products, technology yeah. remain? I mean, in some cases, you'd think it would, right? Like things to do with the circular economy that are ultimately going to make things more affordable for people if they're shopping more sustainably. Um, but then for, for companies to put that in place costs them a lot of money. And like you said, when they're facing rising costs themselves do they want to invest in the technology to deliver that it'll be i think i think that kind of boils down to uh, a flight to quality which is only a, a good thing i mean people are, will still demand the products if they're better products which in many um in many situations uh those sustainable products are better products at price parity now um and it's the same with software solutions for enterprises if they can demonstrate um, value to the to the corporate over and above just you know what has historic if you're looking kind of 10 years ago five ten years ago potentially being just ticking a box mm -hmm. toward and then move to actual value that those that those products can um, can give to a company yeah yeah but definitely and 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 for this year what are their kind of parts of the climate tech sector that you're most excited about either on a personal level just because you think the innovation is really cool or you know even from or from an investment perspective where what do you think the, the best parts of that sector are going to be this year um well i don't actually focus down on any specific verticals i i kind of look at the the whole software space and actually um i mean climate tech almost isn't isn't really a sector in itself it's kind of an overarching theme that touches all different sectors um, but having said that some of the verticals do lend themselves better and I've just tended to see more kind of high quality stuff coming through them I think one of the big ones which was obviously a big worldwide trend from last year was around the energy crisis mm. which was you know has been and continues to be a tough time for a lot of people one of the one of the benefits of it is it's starting to make a whole industry which has been extremely antiquated and, and reticent to move actually start to shift and start to look at new solutions and new ways of doing things. So I think there's a, and there are obviously huge markets that we're talking about uh, and markets that are, are moving towards kind of renewable energy. But around that renewable energy, there's a whole load of kind of management systems battery storage, the way people buy energy um, mm. that are all kind of rife for disruption. Um, yeah. Similarly, although hasn't, I haven't quite seen the same shift just as yet, the kind of the whole property property industry mm. is, is similar, you know, and focus on energy bills and becoming more efficient down to the construction of property and, and the circular economy around that. Um, so those are two two big areas i think the last one is just the role of data generally yeah um i think uh companies are uh, are in various stages of their own um kind of climate journeys and education um up the up the um kind of climate journey mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of them want to know or want to do things and want to shift to net zero but don't really understand what it means, don't really understand yet how to get there. And I think the role that data can play in that 
uh, and evidencing the value to these companies um, is a very interesting segment. And the, the role of the kind of climate risk modeling, for example. Mm, absolutely. And that kind of democratization of that data, that data that's previously been really difficult to access and quite opaque to understand and draw insight from being able to yeah demystify some of that for businesses to make it really simple and streamlined for them to make the right choices yeah yeah absolutely perfect and and in your world then if, if you've got kind of people that perhaps you know are, are in organizations that are doing that kind of thing and, and they're looking for investment and they were to approach you what what do you kind of look for in a good investment prospect? And I suppose second to that, what advice would you give to a founder that was looking to raise this year? Where where in their business would they need to focus? What key actions do they need to be taking now to make themselves attractive when they when they speak to VCs? Um, I think, I mean, number one, it starts with the founders themselves, right? right. Um, they are the they are the the experts um, at what they do. Um, and it's marrying uh, the vision that they have uh, and the drive that they have um, with the kind of commercial aspects to deliver it. I, I think all our decisions kind of almost start and then come about to end at the founders. Uh, we're looking to back kind of visionary founders with the potential to disrupt mass markets uh, and, and really grow category leaders. Um, I think... In terms of the businesses um, themselves, I think really understanding what the problem is that they're trying to solve for customers, what the key pain point is and how valuable that is um, to customers. Um, and also how their solution, how their product is addressing that problem and addressing it in a way that's um, more beneficial and differentiated to other kind of products and other solutions out there um and understanding therefore how it can scale and how it can scale defensively so that if you do if you are looking to grow a kind of category leader you know if you're growing something valuable you can guarantee that other people will try and do it as well so it's you've got to kind of keep ahead of the curve um i've always said in in climate tech the the most interesting ones are the ones with the biggest scalable potential are the ones that can demonstrate both the kind of climate impact and environmental improvements, but also the commercial impact for the people that they're trying to sell to. Yeah. It's kind of this concept that you don't just sell to the chief sustainability officer, you sell to the CFO as well. And if you can demonstrate the kind of financial impact as well as the, the climate impact, you'll find um, a lot more traction, you know, a lot more, um, people willing to give you a go. Um, I think don't overpromise right. in terms of to investors uh, is always a good one. Know know where your gaps are. Know the stage that you're at, and and have the vision that you're trying to get to. Um, but be aware of of what you need in order to get you there. Um, you know, we invest at Series A. Not no company is fully formed at Series A. Uh, that's the point of it being an early stage investing um but having the awareness of what you need to do the stage you're at and what you need to do to get to the next stage um mm. i think and part of that is also not getting distracted right focus on what 
focus on that core problem and and your core solution i think especially at the moment where there's a lot of emphasis on capital efficiency and funding isn't just there as it was a couple of years ago where where people could start to do almost side projects or or kind of try and develop things uh, outside of their core quite early on i think um the discipline of focusing on what you're delivering um and how you're delivering it over the next 12 to 24 months is crucial mm. um the obvious one for a vc <laughs> is valuation yeah um but also understanding the dynamics around valuation um it's easy to say that you know vcs want to pay less and founders want to be paid more in terms of valuation which of course is true um but also you know vcs need alignment with their founders it's mm -hmm. it's in no one's interest to pay so little that you're diluting the founders out of any kind of alignment with with what you're trying to achieve mm -hmm. um and also in the current funding environment i think the higher you know again looking at it from an early stage point of view series a isn't the end goal of these companies or certainly shouldn't be if if you know the vision's there um and at the moment when you know funding is going to be hard to come around there's going to be a lot of companies competing for the for the funding trying to maximize kind of really drive up your value at series a will put you under a lot of pressure in terms of what you have to deliver yeah. in terms of your next rounds mm -hmm. um, so there's fine balance but i think i think just understanding where that balance is coming from um is is helpful um yeah. And then lastly, I think know your investors, um, right. know who you're speaking to, not only not only when you're going out to investors, but actually when you're coming down to decision time uh, in terms of selecting investors, because it's, mm. it's a long term relationship and it is a two way relationship um, and it needs to work both ways. So I think, yeah, being aware of those of who your investors are, having alignment in terms of um, your visions mm -hmm. uh, and making sure you're you're starting off the journey on the same page um is yeah it's the best way to start the journey fantastic that's super helpful adam thank you so much there's a, a lot in there i think that that will be very useful to founders at, at, at this stage i mean most of the founders in my network and and you know potentially a lot of the people watching this and listening to this will be at that kind of up to series A stage. So that's really helpful for them to start kind of focusing on those areas. Brilliant. And um, as this year plays out, is there anything in particular that you're kind of excited about in your own world um, of Albion VC and, 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 and the work you guys are doing? Um, I think, you know, for us generally, um, whenever you get these kind of resets, these markets like market resets is always, you tend to find almost the best opportunities come out of them um sometimes you have to be patient to wait for for them you know almost for the market not to quite bottom out but for things to start warming up again um but yeah you often find the best opportunities and they don't cost you <laughs> they don't cost you the world um so yeah we're excited to carry on um looking for those we've just closed our annual fundraising um i think within climate for me in particular, you know, as much as climate tech in some shape or form has been around for, you know, 20 plus years, mm. 
Um, I think the ubiquitous nature of it now with all the subsectors that it's touching means that actually a lot of them are quite nascent markets. They're, they're quite early on in their, in their growth stages. And I've certainly seen even over the past 12 months, how rapidly the ecosystem is kind of improving in all facets. Right. Um, and it's from customer understanding, but also through to the teams, just you, you, you get a lot of second time founding teams who have maybe come from a different area like fintech and they want their next thing to be within climate tech. Um, and all that just improves the, the quality of opportunity within climate tech. So, um, yeah, for me personally, within climate tech, just excited to see that continued um, improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And if there are people watching this that 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 would be interested in starting a conversation with you um, about about investing in them, what's the best way for them to get hold of you or anyone else at Albion VC? Uh, through the through, either through the website mm-hmm. um, or just shoot me a message over LinkedIn. Uh, tends to be the go-to nowadays. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much, Adam, for that. That's been really, really helpful. And um, thank you, everybody else, for watching. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, we've spoken to some fantastic investors, um, including Systemic Capital, Turquoise International, Nesta, Nomia, Planet A Ventures. There, there are several more, but I won't list them all. Um, and we've got more episodes coming over the next couple of weeks. We won't be with you this Friday, as it's Good Friday, but we will be back with you next Wednesday. Um, So thank you again to Adam. Thank you to everybody for watching and have a lovely Easter weekend. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show. 